0: welcome back to Lexi's Lounge, your home for mind, body, business, and marketing. This podcast is home to the raw, real, unscripted conversations that nobody else wants to have. On Tuesdays, I bring in the guest experts, and on Thursdays, you'll hear all the high thoughts. So excited that you are here, so grab your coffee, cocktail, whatever your drink of choice is, and let's head to the lounge. Alex, welcome to Lexi's Lounge. What are you drinking today?
1: Uh, just water right now, but I just I was just drinking coffee a second ago before we hopped on.
0: Well, Alex, for people who are like, okay, who are you? What's your backstory? Where are you from? What do you do?
1: Yeah, so uh, my name is Alex Garbo. Uh I'm the CEO and uh, founder of Sargon Investments. Uh, started that company a little while back. I, I originally, if we go all the way back, um, I started 18 years old. Joined the Marine Corps. Served for like four and a half years. Last year in the military, I decided that. I didn't want to re-enlist. so I really started diving deep into different investing classes: crypto, stock market, real estate. Real estate really caught my eye just because I you can control the asset a little more than say like stocks or whatever. So, I I read as many books as I can on uh, could on real estate flipping, multifamily selfs. At the time, not really too many self storage books, but um, just learned as much as I can reading bigger pockets articles and everything. Um, and I, I originally landed on flipping houses and I joined a flipping mentorship. And what I realized was the the gentleman who ran that flipping mentorship, um, all of his long term wealth was tied into short term rentals. So I got him on a call and I was like, I, I'm really interested in that. I, I love the uniqueness of that. I love the hosting. I, I come from a hosting family. So like I I, I love the the hosting aspect of it and um he essentially helped me decide on a market he showed me his numbers and they were insane so i was like okay that makes more sense than trying to get like a quick buck with flipping or doing like a long-term rental or something um so he helped me decide on asheville north carolina and i moved here the day that i got out of the military um and when i moved here i got my broker's license or my real estate license and i just started looking for a property and when i realized at that time everything was either way out of my price range Or it it was in my price range, but it wouldn't have done well, say, as a long-term rental. So my very first real estate investment was... So I decided to build my first property, essentially. And my first real estate investment was a a ground-up new construction project. That was an 800-square-foot A-frame that we own to this day. And then one turned into two, two turned into four. And today, we're developing over $10 in real estate, and we're hoping to triple that next year.
0: That's impressive that's super impressive. So I have so many questions. So first question is from that first investment that you had, that you built from the ground up, how did you go from that one to the rest of them? Like, did you have to take out a a home equity loan? Did you get an investor? What did that look like?
1: Yeah, I I love that question. So my very first one, what we did was, and I, I talk about this, I've talked to some students about this. I talk about it on my YouTube channel is there, there there's a whole world that could just be learned just on land investing and how to entitle property and how to handle certain parcels when we when we purchased that one specific parcel it was four acres but it was two two acre plots that were right next that were adjacent to each other they were attached to each other and the 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 bank oh, we're getting construction loans so the bank wouldn't finance on two separate parcels Um, so we were able to get one parcel to appraise for the sales price and we were essentially able to get the other parcel for one dollar at closing so for free and then we and I've heard a lot of I thought I was the only person that did that until I really started talking to people who develop and they do that all the time Um, just not on the small scale like that but so we were able to then once that first one was built to take to use that land as collateral to qualify for the next loan. And then we've done, after that, we've done cash out refinances. I haven't done HELOCs yet. I plan on doing it, but um, HELOC probably makes more sense than a cash out refinance right now with interest rates. But yeah, we did cash out refinances. Um, One of my military buddies had come to me uh, with about a hundred grand and we built two log cabins um, that are about to get finished in the next couple of weeks here. Um, but yeah, I, I, took on four separate JVs over the course of two years when I first started raising capital. Um, and I, I'm, I haven't done a syndication. Um, I don't plan on doing a syndication. I've just partnered with other fund managers that are comfortable doing short-term rentals that can raise the capital. Um, I'm comfortable raising capital. I've done it. Uh, but yeah, that, that's how the first one happened. And then that's how we rolled into the 20 something we're developing right now.
0: Wow, that's insane. That's that seriously. It's so aspirational because so many people right now are talking about getting into the short-term rentals, the real estate development, like they see the cash that comes through for Airbnb host VRBO host. Yeah. Um, so when you talked about land investing, what tips do you have for people who they what tips do you have for people who want to get into short-term rentals, but they don't necessarily have the capital right now to do so,
1: yeah. So, um, when it comes to the capital piece, so we can, we can go backwards real quick. So I always say you want to think of market first over property. Um, and what I say about market is I talk to a lot of people that are like, well, I live in a Metro. I I live, I like, I, I lived in DC for five years. It's like the, What I, what I teach wouldn't work in DC cause it's so expensive. But I always say like you want to, th- if you live in a busy metro market, you want to think of a place where people like to vacation in your area for like an extended weekend. And that's usually, that's probably a, a an area that's an hour or two away. You're going to know that that you're going to know that pocket better than anyone. Um, So that's, that's going to be first thing market. And then when it comes to property selection with people that don't really have too much capital to start, I recommend doing like finding a small little parcel to put like a glamping setup on just to start you can put that on a credit card um and then those things cash flow like crazy it's like you don't have to have all the little fancy amenities and blah 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 like you can get away with some pretty simple stuff again it's glamping it's just it's a step above camping right um so that that's that's what i recommend to people who are starting maybe do if they have a little bit more money that can borrow or even spend um doing like a tiny house on wheels um absolutely kills it right now on the short term rental sites
0: yeah that's so true okay so let's go back to Asheville, North Carolina. What characteristics about Asheville, North Carolina, were you like, "Ooh, I have to move here and invest here because I think most Love people it. would think like Raleigh or even Charleston, South Carolina, what? yeah, is Charleston's.
1: About Charleston's beautiful. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> here, yeah. Um, so yeah, I stepped away. I wanted to do a so Asheville's interesting because it's it's like a pocket like I talked about where it's like it's got a it's got a downtown. It's got a nice little downtown, but it's not crazy busy. Also, and this is to anyone who's listening. Mountain markets in general do better than beach markets. They're a little bit less seasonal. Um, and the reason being is with the type of properties we develop, we develop cabins or like log cabins, A-frames, cottages, chalets, barn style, modern contemporary houses. Those properties are unique in themselves. And during the slow season, people are drawn to those properties because people don't stop traveling in the slow season. It just becomes the slow season. So what I've realized is in the mountain markets, the property becomes the attraction and the experience during the slow season. And during the high season, the city becomes the attraction. But the property still cool. I like to say Instagrammable properties. That's what we're building. A property that you'd be proud to, to put on your Instagram.
0: Yeah. So when it comes to Instagrammable properties, do you would you recommend for hosts to have something like maybe a mural or some kind of backdrop or some kind of unique characteristic that makes people incentivized in some way to post on their yeah. Instagram
1: yeah so if you're if you're starting and you're like uh, I don't want to do a ground-up development blah 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 how do I take a normal property and turn it unique it's exactly that Um, I've seen that Um, that that's been one of my favorite things the mural thing's interesting because you can you can hire a local muralist in the area and i feel like they're everywhere now you can do outside or inside like wrap the whole house on the outside or do something really cool on the inside um accent walls do really well um as, as well and then on top of that just playing around with the interior design like i'm not really a am not really great at that my wife handles a lot of that um but playing around with some like a color like a really co- like a color scheme that pops throughout the whole property um if, if you're completely furnishing the property yourself a really cool like color scheme that matches both the market and the property itself will do really well
0: yeah i love that i think that's super powerful for people who are like how even if they already have an airbnb like how do i differentiate my property even with the person next door or the person closest to me who has yeah, like even a it. nicer property yeah,
1: yeah. Theme, it, theme it theme it in some way like i see like we just uh we just did a conference in orlando literally last uh, last week and uh like orlando like a lot of people will theme their properties like a star wars theme or like a disney theme or something people love that
0: oh yeah because people go there for disney world and the star yeah, Wars. so think thing. think
1: about what's unique to your area and try to theme the in- inside of your, if you're not building theme the inside of your property based off that
0: i love that that's such a good tip you guys if you're going to take anything from this Take that. Make a theme property. (laughs) Okay. So for you, since you've been in this industry for a while, what's the most surprising thing you've learned about short-term rentals in general?
1: It's not necessarily what I, it's not what I've learned. It's what I've seen it evolve into. Um, That's been the most surprising thing where it's almost, it's almost going full circle now in terms of back in the short-term rentals have been around forever. It's just the way we book them has changed. Mm-hmm. So meaning that before Airbnb or Vrbo you had to pick up a phone to book a property and then before even that existed in the internet was like very small you you could go on a website to book your property that's coming full circle now where it's people are stepping away a lot of my business is still run on Airbnb and Vrbo so I'm not I'm not talking crap any in by any means but we 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 do try to take our guests off that and push them to advertise our own direct booking platform So that's been the most surprising thing is like seeing it almost go full circle where it's like, okay, like Airbnb, VRBO was the awesome thing. But like the eventual goal for us is to build a self-sustaining site and a self-sustaining business where we don't allow, we not allow, where we don't rely specifically on a specific site to bring us all of our guests. Because any business that you're on, you should be able to control how your guest interacts with your property or how your guest books with you. At that point, like, And it's happened before with a lot of hosts and a lot of guests, and it happens in every business. Like for some reason, something will happen and they'll shut your property down for a week or two. For some reason, maybe if something happens at your property, that's not to scare anyone. I've hosted over a thousand people this year and that hasn't happened, but it's happened before where like some like things were like misinterpreted, like misinterpreted in the past years. Um, So that's the biggest surprise that I've seen in the last like three years is like, direct booking. And then also, um, hotels are on Airbnb. So like Airbnb has just turned into this like big, just hospitality platform is what I look at it as. I don't even look at it as short-term rentals anymore. I'm, I'm in the hospitality industry,
0: the hospitality industry. I think that's something that people who do want to go into short-term rentals, they should actually absolutely look into because it's uh, coming. I came from the hospitality industry. I worked yeah. in there for uh, a couple of years, Maybe less than a year. I don't know. But it's it's such a different world. Like when they say the customer is always right and like like you really give so much of yourself to the customer, it it's so different than what we see in traditional customer service, where it's just like, well, you can go somewhere else or whatever. Like hospitality is so customer focused.
1: Yeah. And the, so that going off that, I recommend people read hospitality books. It, it doesn't have to be short term rental or real estate books. There's really my favorite book on the topic is a book called Be Our Guest. It's written by Disney, like essentially how Disney handles their hospitality. Um, and there's some there's some really cool things that's touched in that book, Um that and it's essentially like the short form of like their master's degree is what they have a master's degree which is crazy but um yeah be our guest is one of my favorite hospitality books in general
0: was there a key takeaway from there that like shifted your perspective
1: yeah and it's the and i'm not gonna say it's the dumbest thing but it's something you would never think about if you didn't read the book so as you and we we were just at disney this weekend so and and as you travel through disney parks the there's like certain smells that transition you from parks, whether it be the popcorn or like the desserts or the restaurants or something, they use smell to transition their guests through the park. So I'm huge on like very strong outdoor air fresheners in our properties. All of my investors, investors and their wives who have walked through our properties after they were built were like, it smells phenomenal in here. And that's the first thing that the guests interacts with outside of seeing the property is they go crap it really it smells really good in here um which is such a weird thing but that i took that from the disney book about like using using all five senses but using smell to sort of help with the guest experience
0: Mm. okay well i have a question for you personally because i i have a short-term rental actually we airbnb our personal house out so we kind of did what you did in the beginning where you built a house from the ground up and then you rent it out so we use those um those wallflower things from bath and body works but i've had a couple guests say that the the smell is too overpowering overpowering, any, any tips for people who think oh i'm just gonna plug a wallflower in and call it a day
1: i for some reason the the glade air freshener um i've had one guest complain about the smell because of their allergies but again I don't I don't like to dwindle if, if it was if it was 50 guests complaining about it, obviously I'm changing it. But um I, the glade air fresheners, you can set the you can set them. Um I, I use the cashmere woods one. Um that's what's in all of my properties. But that that smell does really good with like woods, right? So um, but I've had more compliments on that smell than than negative compliments, I guess.
0: Mm. Well, that's a good food for thought. Like if not everybody's and, complaining about it, then it's And fine.
1: it's it's weird when you look at the corporate world. Um, Like if you look at like corporate property, especially if you're like interacting with certain property, I'm not saying like Walmart or Whole Foods, but like Gold's Gym is a good example. I worked at Gold's Gym when I was younger and they had like a specific trademark smell to the gym that would like be pushed out in like air freshener. So like that's been happening forever. All of them. All of the, again, you're leaning on hospitality principles over Airbnb or short-term rental principles, Hot, higher end hotels do that. Like they, they have their own smell that's trademarked.
0: That makes sense. That does make sense. Okay. Well, then um, weird,
1: weird topic. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I love it though. I think it's something that not a lot of people think about. They just think like money, dollar signs, get people in as fast as they can, not the customer experience or the guest the whole experience.
1: customer experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So is there anything else, like while we're on the topic of customer experience, is there anything else that you just want to like drive in to people who are already hosting or want to start hosting that they should really laser focus on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking to acquire or develop the most important thing, you have to, like we just said, you have to think of the whole guest experience. And what does that mean? The whole guest experience means the drive to and from the property as well. It doesn't mean just the property itself. Because you don't. So, what I always say for people who are looking for land, it, the land might look really cool on the listing, but you need to go drive out to it. And the reason being is it might be 30 minutes up a gravel road before you get to the land. You don't want your guest. A lot of times, your guest will be traveling at night. A lot of times, your guest is new to the area. If they're new to the area and they're traveling at night, they're going to get freaked out if they're, they're going to be pissed if they're going to be driving 30 minutes up a gravel road in an area they just lost reception and that they can't, they, they, they don't know where they're at. So that's the no, number one thing is you have to think of the whole guest experience. We like to be off of like a double lane state maintained road onto our land or some sort of paved road. If it is a gravel road, we like to keep it relatively short. I, I like to say maybe like 0.5 mile or sorry, 0.5, 0.15 miles or like up to a quarter mile max. I don't like to do any. I'd say like maybe five minutes max on a road. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to think of the whole guest experience. And if you're purchasing, it's the same thing. It, it, the, the property might be 20, 30 minutes up a gravel road to get up to this beautiful mountain view. A lot of guests, I would say, will probably be pretty freaked out by that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's up in the mountains.
1: Yeah. 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 Everyone wants a mountain view, but nobody wants to go up the mountains. <laughs> I know.
0: Well, these horror movies scare, ruin it for people.
1: <laughs> right. Cabin in the Woods.
0: Yeah. Okay. So for um i want to touch on long-term versus short-term rentals what yeah. would you say the pros and cons are for each when people are trying to decide whether they want to do one or the other
1: i mean long-term there's just going to be less management right i mean we, we when you're in the short-term rental world long enough and i'm sure you know that it's like even with, with the property that you manage i mean there are ways to completely systematize the business now there there are enough there's enough automation tools and blah 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 um, but overall, I mean, you're going to be dealing with guests, right? Like it's people who are booking coming in and out. That's different than if you just book it to a person who books it out or who rents the property out for a year. So it's going to be, it's going to be more upkeep, but the opposite to that is like, you're going to have five, six, seven times the amount of cash flow that's going to be coming in compared to a long-term rental. Um, so that, I, I like, I mean, it, the long-term rental is more stable. You get one tenant in there, blah, blah, blah. But that could also be a bad thing because if that tenant is really bad, they're stuck in there for a year
0: mm. compared
1: to short-term rentals. If you have a bad tenant, they're gone in three to six days or whatever they're booked for. Um, and then so if you're looking at the short-term rental side, um, people like to say that there's more wear and tear on the property with people coming in and out. But then the property is also turn two to like, it's clean two to three times a week. So it's mm-hmm. going to be cleaned more than if someone's in the property as a long term rental. Yes. Um, so that, that's what I always say to that. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess those are some pros and cons to short term and long term, long term is more consistent, but short term, you can make way more money. And when it comes to the wear and tear, I would say it's pretty even, I would say there's less on the short term rental side, because you don't have people putting holes in walls.
0: Yeah, putting up their own decorations and trying to make it customized to themselves.
1: Yeah. We're clean we're clean we're mopping and clean dusting and cleaning our properties twice a week at least. So
0: yeah. So do you have I'm assuming that you manage all of your rentals or do you have property? Yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah. So I don't so I've I've stayed away from a, a boots on the ground property manager. I have so I'll run you through my whole process real quick. So we develop and then we go straight into management. I'm I'm for For properties I have investors with, I'm married to my investors for eight to ten years. We we're not selling these properties after they're built like that. We're we're in it for the long term. We don't want the tax hit, capital gains, blah blah. It's it's easy to make that quick buck, but that quick buck will probably exist. That that same value will exist in the property once we sell it down the road. So for the most part, um, so but on the management piece, um, we have. My cleaning crew is not in-house. They 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 handle 100 properties in my market. They handle my inventory. So we I talked to them about handling my inventory um, where they just charge my credit card and they add like a 10% on top of whatever they purchase. Um, so they handle my inventory. They handle all my linens. They take my linens, wash them off-site, bring them back on-site. So there's my inventory. There's my cleaning, taken care of by a separate cleaning company. They also handle my lost and found. Like we just had a lady uh, this week that left her wallet in the property. They went took the wallet, put in their safe, I sent them the address or my virtual assistant sent them the address. And then they they sent the, the thing off immediately. And then they I just paid for it just like as a courtesy to the guest. And so that that's, again, that's the cleaning company lost and found and then inventory is handled by the cleaning company. We have a maintenance person that's on retainer $400 a month on retainer, and then we pay them hourly based off of any work that needs to get done on the property. So that's our maintenance person. Um, and then all of our, mess about 70% of our messaging is automated through our tools. Our pricing is automated through a dynamic pricing tool. And then the 30% that's left in the messaging is handled by a virtual assistant from the Philippines that we source directly from Airbnb, their they're ex-Airbnb employees.
0: How did yeah. you find them?
1: <laughs> you can find them on Upwork.
0: Oh, really? Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. gonna have to go in. Yeah,
1: they, they go from, I mean, we... It it sounds like we're not paying them a lot, like five six dollars an hour, but that's about triple what they would make if they were working in their own country. So, wow,
0: that's amazing. Yeah. Airbnb
1: I'm... pays them like two three dollars an hour, so we're essentially paying them triple. Wow. Or sorry, pay, we're doubling their salaries or whatever. So I mean, one virtual assistant from talking to other from where I've learned that strategy from can handle like one virtual assistant getting paid maybe twelve hundred dollars a month can handle up to like twelve to fourteen properties.
0: Wow. Okay, yeah. well that's a great tip for me. Thank you. And anybody and, listening.
1: <laughs> and and we we make sure that their English is pretty good because that like they have access to the accounts and the phone number. Like if sometimes guests do call instead of texting. So they can handle that. If there's an issue, I try to take myself completely. like i said, i'm I'm trying to systematize and automate like automate the business completely. I try to take myself out of the business for the most part, um on the management side. So like the virtual assistant knows to call my my cleaning company if anything happens if anything happens you don't need a boots for the most part at least i would say you're for your first 10 15 you wouldn't need a boots on the ground manager because your cleaning company is going to be at the property to see if anything got destroyed and then they are taking the pictures and sending it directly to my virtual assistant then is sending it to airbnb
0: Gotcha. Okay. So you're like, you are just in the
1: I'm development. The I, I am. I am looking at projects that my agent is bringing me. I'm looking at land that my agent finds for me. And then that my job is designing the properties and looking for the, like just interacting with the sellers and stuff.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a great position to be into because that,
1: that, that's where I, I looked at my business a year ago. I was like that. What, where, where am I? the one what do I enjoy the most but what am I most needed at I enjoy doing podcasts I enjoy creating content and then I enjoy just putting the deals together um so like before this like we I was talking to an investor about a deal we just got under contract so it's like stuff like that I like doing that stuff Um, I'm also a writer for bigger pockets so like that takes up a bulk of my time I write I write all their short-term rental content or most of it
0: wow that's amazing you are you're somebody that's just I'm so glad you wanted to be on this podcast and just chat about oh, thank podcast. you for
1: having me i, well, I, I know that this stuff.
0: i know that so many people are listening to this and are like their their spidey senses are tingling like oh my gosh this is the sign i needed so um what do you last question what do you have to say to the people who are afraid of making some kind of financial investment in airbnb or buying a property or acquiring an airbnb in this market where the recession is looming i'm using quote.
1: Quotation. yeah the, the last three are the last three we are in the recession <laughs> so it's like the last three articles I wrote for bigger pockets were on short-term rentals and recessions um don't let the interest rates scare you um I talked to one of my investors that we went from obviously 2.75 or four percent on a com- on a commercial to like what are we at eight now um uh, he was in he he's been in uh in the real estate world and since the 80s and he was like he's like my first project i ever purchased or my first property i ever purchased was at a 14% interest rate. So it's like don't let the interest rate scare you just underwrite the deal. The the, uh, the more and more deals are not going to be working but here's the thing. Interest rates are higher so prices are dropping right now. So there is there is a there is a median there where it's like you were purchasing maybe you were purchasing a, a property that was way overpriced 6 months ago at a 3%, 4% interest rate, but now it's, it's a little bit lower. So that, that takes some of the brunt off of it, but yeah, it's going to be harder to find good deals. But at the same time, if you look at the market right now, there are a lot of good deals out there. We're finding a lot of good deals. We're also getting a lot of discount. Um, so I would say to the people listening who are scared to dive in is don't let this correction or this recession sort of scare you because, uh, there's a lot of money, most of money, most of the big money is made in recessions. If you're not, um, if if you have the balls to do it essentially um and i mean that's what we just got 7 cabins under contract and we'll probably be paying an 8% interest rate on it but it's like the numbers worked even at that so that was the very first article i wrote for bigger pockets was even if the don't do not discount uh real estate investing in whole without looking at a specific deal especially every market is different every property is different so make sure you're underwriting the properties first and you might have to underwrite 20 of them before you find one I mean, I've my first I never I haven't talked about this. My very first property I looked at, the the A frame, we looked at 60 properties before we we settled on that one. And that was in a good market. So that's what I say to that is don't don't discount real estate investing as we're going into this correction because there's a lot of good deals out there.
0: Yeah. I love the way you framed it too about you know you were paying a higher price with lower interest rates and now you're paying lower prices with higher interest rates so it kind of yeah. turns out at the end of yeah the day.
1: it's not it's not perfectly even but it it takes a lot of the 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 sting out of that because if you were paying like crazy high prices now if you i would say three months ago was a little bit of a weird transition time where prices were high but interest rates were high too but that's sort of changing now you're if you look at like what i recommend to people is like if you have a real access to a real estate agent get on their autoresponder where like you can like you get emailed the uh, the new properties that hit the market but like i get emailed right i didn't see any price decreases six months ago and now it's like every single day i see like 10 price decreases so it's like people understand that we're in this recession so it's not a bad thing
0: yeah okay i have one more question yeah (laughs) okay when it comes to investing with friends or um investing with investors what does that actually look like like when you have when you raise capital and you have you know joe over here who's like hey i'm gonna give you a hundred thousand dollars for you you're the one who's boots on the ground doing all of the putting the property together getting it to market and then you hand it off but what does that look like do you give them a certain amount back until they you pay off the hundred thousand or yeah so my
1: my very first jv's um so this is if if anyone's listening that like okay I have a friend and I'll give you the exact example with the 100,000 thing. So my very first investor I took on, military friend, best friend, he's my brother to this day. We we grew up together, went to boot camp together, he stood in my wedding, everything. And we're we're good friends. And we we went through an enlistment together in the Marine Corps as well. But um he came to me with some money, it was 100 grand and um he had uh it was a 50-50 deal. And the reason it was a 50-50 deal, meaning I didn't take a management fee, I didn't take an acquisition fee, no preferred return, no nothing. And that's what you were just hinting at was preferred returns. Um, 50-50 straight off the bat. I got 50% ownership in the deal, and then I got 50% ownership in the cash flow. So whatever the property throws off at the end of the month. Um, a lot of times when you take a, a management company, they'll take 20% off the top, not 50% off the cash flow. So that was my first deals. And the reason I did it that way, um was i needed help guaranteeing the loans so that's that's where i'm at in my business right now is like or that's where i was in my business where i needed help guaranteeing the loan so giving 50 percent that might sound like a lot on the other side i have a one-on-one mentor when i first started uh working with him he's like you're not you're giving way too much of the deal away or like i was um Like he thought 50% was like crazy, crazy talk. But I I stick to that 50%. If they can, if they bring the money to the table and they help you guarantee the loan with you, that's very simple. Now, what I've started to do now is I've in my budgets, I've incorporated the virtual assistants into my budgets. So it's like the VAs are in the budgets and that, so I don't take a management fee, but the VAs are in the budgets, the technology that it costs to run, like the subscriptions to the automated messaging, the dynamic pricing that's in the budgets as well. Um, so i'm not I'm not taking a management fee, but the the costs of managing are in the budgets already. Um so that that's how I set up the first ones. Now I'm working with um, a couple funds, a couple short-term rental funds, and uh, they offer, say like a five to seven percent preferred return. and then I get fifth, anywhere but depending on what the deal is, anywhere between twenty five to fifty percent of the general partnership um so at the end of the day i probably have like anywhere between 15 to 25 percent of the overall deal but i'm not putting any of my own money in the deal i'm just i'm putting together the deal myself so i mean my wife and i have built a. I don't really care about net worth um but my wife and i have built a significant net worth just in the last three years alone by doing deals like that um where it's like i've just focused on cash flow but we looked at our net worth with a bank that we just worked with um to get another loan and we're like oh when did that happen <laughs> It's just it's it's crazy how how quickly that stuff can get. But yeah, when you're just starting, fifty fifty, have them guarantee the loan with you, and then they bring the money to the table. I wouldn't give away more than fifty percent because you're going to be working your butt off.
0: Yeah, that's that's yeah. such a, that's a great piece of advice. Especially that's a selfish question because I you know I have this one piece of property and I'm like, how do we get more? Um, our goal in the future is to go down to Arizona and buy a piece of property and actually build an RV park on it so that's that's something that like our wheels are spinning we're like not really sure how we're going to get this done but we know that it's going to happen just it's not the if it's the house so. yeah I can
1: I can hook you up with someone with that they're 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 an RV park investor and they, they offer financing as well
0: oh okay well I will send you an email they, they're
1: looking for operators so I'm oh. just not I'm not in that world so
0: Hey, well, perfect. (laughs) I'm so glad we had this talk. But um, I will send you an email afterward about that. But for the people who are like, oh my God, Alex, this was so much value. How can they find you and where can they work with you? Or where can they work with you and how can they find you?
1: Yeah. So if you guys just want to like see what I'm working on on a day to day, I have a a free YouTube channel that you guys can check out. Um, It's called Alex Builds. Um, If you guys want to actually do what I'm doing, um, I just spent the last like six months putting together like a short term rental development course. Um, there's like over a hundred videos in this course. There's templates, there's group coaching, um, everything. I, I essentially created the course that I wish I had when I started six years ago. Um, and I'm sure that's going to be in the show notes, but that's going to be bdbstrmasterclass.com. You guys can find that. You guys can also find that on my personal site, Um, And yeah.
0: It'll all be in the show notes below. Alex, thank you so much for coming on Lexi's Lounge today. This was everything and more. And I know that our guests are going to be getting so much from this. So you guys make sure to follow him on YouTube and I'll link his Instagram and go check out his course. This is going to be amazing guys. Hey, thank you so much for coming out to the lounge today. It is truly an honor to have you here a part of this journey in this community with us. If you're loving this podcast, share it with a friend, tag us on social media and leave some love in the reviews below. Also, there are still resources for you in the show notes below. So do not miss those before you exit out of this podcast. All right, see you next week.